0: You can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
1: I'm Tom Rowland, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. This is episode 22 of the podcast with Jason Stemple, professional photographer, who's going to give us some tips on how we can all become a better photographer right now. No matter what kind of gear you have, no matter what, just a few things that you can do, take better pictures. I want to thank everybody for coming to the podcast today. Uh, we've been getting a ton of, of uh, emails from the podcast at Saltwater Experience. I really, really appreciate that. You guys have been giving me some suggestions of people that we can have on, uh, all good suggestions, some of which I've already tracked down and am trying to get our schedules to coordinate. And um, hopefully those are going to be some great shows. Uh, Fan of the week this week is Nathan Price. He sent me uh, the nicest email. Uh, Tom, my name is Nathan Price. I live in the Baltimore-Chesapeake Bay region of Maryland. First off, I just want to tell you how much I enjoy the podcast and the guests you've had thus far. The mix of fishing and outdoor motivational guests is truly inspirational and highly enjoyable to listen to. I'm 28 and I own and operate a wholesale ice cream and beverage business, typically working 14 to 16 hours a day. I find myself re-listening to your podcast throughout my workday in the office. Being from Maryland, I'd love to hear Scott Walker on the podcast at some point. Again, thank you for putting in the time and the effort on this podcast venture. I have begun to assert ideals and habits you discuss on your show already. Take care. P.S. It ain't all flowers. Nathan, obviously a Sturgill Simpson fan, uh, who gets the ain't all flowers quote, uh, kudos to you, man, working 14 to 16 hours a day. Um, I'm glad that something that is happening on this podcast can help you to, uh, to get through that day, and and if you can pick up a few things from people like Brad McLeod, uh, Navy Seal, who was on the podcast a little while ago, uh, habits for uh, being more effective throughout your day. Uh, I'm really happy to hear it. That's awesome, man. Um, so today's podcast is brought to you by Waypoint TV. Waypoint TV has over 60 different producers with well over 2,000 episodes, short films. All kinds of stuff there. It is absolutely free to the consumer. You can go there and you can get it on your computer, of course, waypointtv.com, but you can also get it on Roku, Apple TV, Fire, Amazon Fire. Uh, Your smart TV has it right there on the menu. Um, Gosh, so many more. You can use your Apple TV um, to get it right there on the menu, or you could. Actually, AirPlay it over from your from your phone. You've got apps. You've got everything. If you like hunting and fishing, and you're thinking about cutting the cable, do it, man. A lot of people tell me that they were they were thinking about cutting the cable, but they just don't want to get rid of the outdoor channels because they like to watch the hunting and fishing shows. Well, you don't really have to worry about that anymore because Waypoint's got you covered. Go there. You can check it out, and remember, it's free, and it's awesome. Okay. So today we're going to do a little bit different kind of, of podcast. And, uh, a lot of the guests that I've had so far, I've really learned their story. Um, people that I've known for a long time have told me all sorts of, of things about their path and their journey to get to where they are that I didn't really know about. And, uh, I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating that, um, when people switch careers, when they, when they have the courage to, uh, to follow their passion, I always encourage that for people, because, um, I think that that's when you're truly finding, you know, you're, you're really meeting your potential. A lot of people have potential, but I think that it gets squashed with, uh, with doing something that you, that you really don't like. And a lot of people just have this simmering desire to, uh, to do something else, whether that's hunting or fishing or, or change careers or, or, uh, just follow their passion. And, um, today with the internet, with so many opportunities and the economy's booming, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. But that's not what today's podcast is about. Today's podcast is about, uh, catching up with one of my friends and, uh, and really asking him some questions. And I'm not sure that, uh, that he would be quite as open about this, but this guy's one of my best friends, and uh, and he was very open and very kind to give us some tips. Jason Stemple is a professional photographer working in the fishing, hunting, outdoor space, and in my opinion, he's one of the very, very best. I like his stuff so much because when I look at his pictures, they just that's what i see in my mind i it it doesn't look posed it doesn't look set up it looks perfect and the color um the action the the posture of the people that are in the photos everything is perfectly accurate in my mind and um i think others see that in jason's photos and it's not an accident And I know it's not an accident because there are a lot of times that we are on the camera boat, either for uh, Into the Blue or Sweetwater or different photo shoot or even saltwater experience. Um, And there's an opportunity to take a picture. And I grab my iPhone or maybe I've got a, a DSLR and I'm standing right next to Jason and we take a picture of the exact same thing. And I look at my picture and it's not that good. And I look at his picture. And it's a work of art. And I just don't see how we're standing so close to one another and doing basically the same thing and taking pictures of the same fish. And his turns out so good and mine turns out um, not as good. So obviously, you have uh, a professional photographer who's doing um, a lot of things to make his photos outstanding. Um, He's got better gear than me. He's got all kinds of things, but that's not what it is. That may be part of what it is, but what it is is he's got an eye, he's composing a shot, and he's thinking about a few things that I'm not thinking about. So what I wanted to ask him today, because all hunters and fishermen, especially with the age of social media, everybody wants to take a better picture. Um, You spend a lot of time, a lot of money uh, to go out and, and catch these fish. Um, And when you do, oftentimes we release them. So there is nothing left but a memory uh, unless you can get a great photograph. And in my opinion, I really like to decorate my office, my house, my uh, space that I work in uh, with photographs. Uh, I think that that is really cool. And so I'll blow the photographs up and um, frame them and, and keep them. I mean, they, they mean a lot to me and Jason will capture these moments um, very well. So what I wanted to do with Jason is I wanted to pin him down and, and really cut through a lot of the technical jargon and just get to the place where we say, uh, give us some real action items, no matter what kind of camera that you're using, no matter what gear you're using, no matter what fish you're fishing for. Give us a few things that everyone, anyone, can do to immediately improve their photographic skills. Now, a lot of people want to take a better picture, but they're not really all that interested in learning how a camera works or learning about uh, iso or 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 shutter speed or how that affects the the the, f- the photograph. Some people are, and that's great. He's going to go deep into that, too. but, what I wanted him to do is, if if, you're, if I'm standing there with an iPhone, how do I take a better picture? And if I've got a GoPro, how do I use that to take a picture that I'm going to be proud of and I want to? I'm going to want to share. If I've got whatever, if I've got a nice camera or if I've got a, a crappy camera, how can I take a good picture? And give me give me five things to think about. And so Jason was very very nice and patient and. Um, I think I had some good questions, um, because, you know, when you're dealing with anyone who is one of the best in the world at what they do, oftentimes they skip right over, um, some of the the simplest things and move right on into way more complicated things. Jason doesn't do that. Jason, um, Jason has been right where we are, uh, with our photography. He's, he, he had to learn one time. And, uh, and he remembers that, and he also is very familiar with the evolution of photography, how it's gone from film and developing film in a dark room, to digital photography and Instagram filters versus, um, you know using Photoshop and, and much more uh, sophisticated systems to to edit your photos. We talk about over-editing, we talk about under-editing, we talk about uh, the resolution you should have your camera set on, we talk about all these kind of simple things. A lot of people have a camera that is ta- is capable of taking much, much better pictures than they are and they don't have the settings set right. So I hope you're gonna join us and stick in there for this one because I thought it was, as far as information Goes that is immediately useful for the fisherman, for the hunter, for anyone that wants to go outside and take a pretty good picture. This one has it's chock full. It's chock full of uh, of information. So you don't need to hear me talk about what Jason's going to talk about anymore. Let's get right to this episode number 22 with Jason Stemple, professional photographer. All right, Jason, what's going hey. on, buddy? Uh, hanging out, looking at photos on my computer and
2: not fishing today.
1: Okay, well, that's a good thing because I happen to be calling about um, learning how to be a better photographer. And I thought no one better than you could, could help us to determine a few things that everybody could do to take better pictures of the fish that they're catching probably and the, and the, and the birds and stuff that they're hunting as well. But as far as, as far as the fish go, you, we, we are often on the same boat, often standing right next to one another. You take a picture, I take a picture. And when they come out, I'm sorely disappointed in my pictures and I'm really impressed with your pictures. And I can't, you know, part of it is the, is the gear, part of it are, are the lens that you're using and some of it is the editing that you're doing to these to these Absolutely. photos but there's also this um this element of your pictures are just better for a few other reasons and those typically are what what I'm always at a loss so I wanted to ask you some questions and I think this All is right. going to benefit everybody um so if if you were just to give some tips on how someone was to, uh, improve their photography right away. Like no matter what kind of camera you have, no matter what you're doing, we're we're all kind of doing the same thing. We're going out, we're fishing, either trout fishing, inshore, offshore, and we're spending a lot of time and a lot of money to try to catch these fish. Oftentimes we're releasing the fish. So what's left, the trophy is the, is the photograph. And a lot of people are very disappointed Uh, With their photographs. And in the day of social media, most people would like to put it on social media and they're left with a photograph that is not as good as they want it. So if you were to tell somebody, and I'm not talking about, well, you got to invest in this great camera and all this stuff, with whatever kind of camera that you have, I'm sure that there are some ways that you can help uh, everybody take a better picture. Absolutely. What would you say?
2: Well, I think a lot of it, for me especially, is kind of goes into planning thinking about what you're going to do before you get a fish to the boat or even before you go on the water that day you know um and a lot of what i like best are pictures of fish in their natural habitat i come from a wildlife photography background so Mm -hmm. trying to shoot a fish before it's at the boat or before it's even hot before it's even hooked or caught or even knows you're there to me is sometimes best stuff. But I think what you're talking about more is probably, um, you know, what people want. They want the trophy shot you're talking about. They want, you know, a pose shot of them with the fish or some, you know, some showing the interaction a lot. Right. Um, so, I mean, my best advice is to really just think about it ahead of time. Cause by the time the fish gets to the boat, it's almost too late to figure out, unless you're going to kill the fish, it's almost too late to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to get the best shot.
1: Okay. So when you're talking about thinking about it, the camera obviously is already out.
2: It can be out or if you know you have a good setup, it can just be ready to get out. You know, A lot of times if you have it out and you have a big fish... Camera's going to get wet and then you're two steps behind.
1: Right. So when you're, yeah. when you're looking, tell me the things that you're looking for when you're, when you're, okay, say we're, say we're, uh, let's take bone fishing or trout fishing, both of which you're on your feet. Yep. You have complete, um, uh, uh, opportunity to move around as you would like to, right? You're not stuck in a boat. You're not, you're mm-hmm. not, uh, or maybe trout fishing you are, but let's just say you're waiting. You're waiting either for trout or for for bonefish. And you, somebody hooks a fish and you're thinking, okay, what what are the first things that you're thinking about? Are you thinking about what the sun angle? Or are you thinking about um, how you're going to have this person posed with this fish? Are you thinking yeah, about...
2: I'm, I would be thinking about sun angle. I mean, it's difficult because if that's my situation, I'm probably shooting through the whole fight you know the trying to catch it the catching it but if you're say one of the people fishing you know i would start as you're starting to land the fish start to think about where you want to be according to the sun get the sun at your back or quartered off your back um so you're not going to be casting a shadow but you have good light on the fish Mm -hmm. um think about your background if you are in a boat you know think about what area you're going to be standing or sitting and where the where the person holding the fish is going to be. Mm -hmm. So you can get a clean background. You don't want, you know, pulling platforms and motors and, you know, gear bags and a bunch of stuff in your background. That's going to kind of muddy it up and take the focus away. Okay. So that's obviously more difficult when you're in a boat that's moving and you have a whole bunch more and all your stuff is jammed in one spot. If you're waiting and you can move around, you know, you can get to where you want to be. Usually try to get a, clean background or an interesting background that shows where you are or a lot of times doesn't show where you are if you're gonna be posting this on social media and you don't wanna wreck your spot. Right. Um, but you know, kind of get an idea of what you want to do. And it's not just getting an idea of, you know, getting the light right or getting the background right. But think about how you're gonna have that person hold the fish, which, you know, two or three quick shots you might want to get so that you're not you know, keeping the fish too long
1: so you can get it back into the water. Mm -hmm. So Um, let's talk about, real quick, holding the fish. Now, because you can take two photos side by side. They were taken seconds apart. One fish looks 20 pounds bigger than the other. And that can be as simple as as the position that the fish is in or the Mm -hmm. angle that you're holding it towards the camera or obviously sticking your arms way out. All yeah. of that. Everybody wants their fish to look as big as possible, but not in a pose situation not, to not where, honestly, where you're, where you're, sticking... distorted. Right. Yeah. So, what are your tips on that?
2: Well, yeah, there's a, there's a fine line between holding your arms way out,
1: you know, towards
2: it and holding the fish right in the camera, which makes everything distorted. It makes it makes, does make the fish look bigger, but it also makes your fingers look, you know, giant. Yeah. So, I don't think that's a real good way to go for the most part um, but you can keep your try to get your hands out away from the body. Don't tuck it up against your chest mm-hmm. you know, but further away, that fish is certainly gonna look smaller. The other thing is getting your fingers out i mean fish are hard to hard to hold a lot of times, especially you know all sorts of different fish are hard to hold. Get to where you're comfortable with the fish. And then try to sneak your fingers out. Try to get your hand behind the tail instead of in front of it. Don't have your fingers going all the way up in front of the fish with the big, you know, big monkey grip. Right. Because that's just not going to look good and it'll make the fish look smaller, especially if you have big hands. So that's one thing to work on. The other thing is, you know, holding that fish out a little bit. If you... If you hold the fish out parallel to the camera and you hold it way out, it's going to look super distorted. If you hold it out with the face out front and let the, keep the tail back by your body, it looks more artsy. But then you still get
1: the idea, you know, the fish gets close to the camera and it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing that and and say, let's say somebody does want to make the fish look a little bit bigger and they're angling the fa- the face of the fish. Towards the camera. Now, when I've taken that picture and made a mistake and come up with something that I'm not so uh pleased with is when um the camera, especially the one that I'm using, which is either the iPhone or um some kind of point and shoot or something like that, certainly not what you you have. Um, no. and I don't have the depth of field that you're getting. And so one, I, I really need to choose. What's going to be in focus? So yes. if you're if you're in a position like that, to where you want to hold the the fish towards the the camera, do you have the angler in focus or do you have the fish in focus? And if it is the fish, what part of the fish is in focus?
2: Um, for me, it's always the fish, never the angler. Um, and if you can see the fish's eye, it, to me, it's always the eye. Yeah if the eye is not in focus and that's the same thing if you're just shooting a person or if you're shooting wildlife you know always try to focus on the eye that's mm-hmm. what you know as a human that's what our eyes are drawn to yeah so if you look at it and i have a photo here that i've shot um shot my friend with a big jack cabal i caught on fly here in charleston and i missed And he's his his face is in perfect focus, and the and the camera the fish is out a little bit, and it's a little blurry, and it drives me crazy because it was a fish of a lifetime, and uh, and I missed the shot.
3: Well, it's good to know
1: it's good to know that you sometimes miss that shot too, because I mean you're a professional photographer that's spending a lot of time doing this, and and lots of people are catching fish of a lifetime that do not have a professional photographer Uh with them, and get back. You know, it, it used to be a much bigger Uh, we've had this discussion before on our, on our previous podcast, where we were talking about the difference between digital photography now, where you can take the picture and instantaneously you can look at the picture and decide, Ooh, that's out of focus. I'm going to take another one versus a long time ago where we would have to go and get the film developed and talk Mm -hmm. about real,
3: real disappointment. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you're super disappointed when every picture is out of focus, uh, like like you're talking about, but that's that's those are excellent points already. Of okay, first of all, what I'm getting out of this is is plan plan for the shot immediately. Like think about that already. Where is the sun? I'm going to try to get that at at the photographer's back, either directly at my back or quartering off my back, and being careful about my shadow. Secondly, I'm going to uh, focus on the fish's eye, and those two tips immediately are probably going to make a lot of people's photography a lot better. Um, and, and then, then you know, one of my pet peeves, and I'm sure you have plenty of pet peeves when you look at, uh, at people's social media posts or whatever, but when people are just squeezing the crap out of the fish, uh, I, I can't stand that. And that you'll never see a picture like that on the cover of um, a magazine or, you know, anywhere, right, that, in a professional setting you're just not ever going to see that. So whenever I'm holding a fish, I'm being extremely careful about just like letting the fish's weight yeah. in my hands just just there without gripping the, and especially on a trout that's kind of a soft fish anyway. Yeah. If you start gripping that fish tight, it 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 really magnifies that with their soft kind of flesh where your fingers kind of dig in a little bit and it looks yes. like you are just just squeezing the crap out of that fish. So, what else can people do to uh, in in the way that they're holding the fish to make better photo- photographs?
2: Well, I think even if you're not taking photographs, um, fish in my in my experience seem to relax a little more if you're not doing the death grip, and that kind of just comes from experience. And you know, if you hold the fish on the surface of the water or under the water and get kind of comfy with it and like you said you're cradling it your front hand cradles the fish it doesn't grab the fish it supports its weight and the back hand is holding the tail the tail hand might need to be a little harder to be you know especially depending on the fish you know uh, a bone fish for instance super slippery and there's Mm -hmm. and the tail just folds straight down so it's really hard to hold that tail but if you're just kind of cradling the weight of the fish that's where most of the control is going to be. Mm-hmm. Something like a jack or a permit, you know, you can grab that tail. It doesn't matter what you do with the front hand, you got the fish. So it all depends on the fish. But I think in general, the more relaxed you are with the grip, the more relaxed the fish will get and the easier it is on everybody. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: What and about then,
1: What about the position of the fish? Like a lot of times I hear you instructing us or someone else, about the way that you're holding the fish like belly down or up or you know move it a little bit to the left here or there what are you trying to accomplish there is that all lighting or is that what
2: it's both lighting you know just you know an inch of turning the fish's face towards me or away from me can get the light on it right also the angle It may feel to you like you're holding it straight up and down, but the angle that I have on it a lot of times, it's more tilted back and you're seeing the belly or tilted forward and you're just seeing the back, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I also like, I don't like when the fish is completely parallel or perpendicular. Yeah. Straight on with the camera, I like to have a little angle so that the head is towards you a little bit. Okay. Um, In general, I like to have a fish pretty level. Um, that's just me some people like it different ways you know mm-hmm. um, and then I also like a lot to have it right on the surface of the water mm. or, or half in the water half out where you can get some reflection the fish is happier because it feels the water and, uh, you know you can dunk it back in give it a couple breaths you can pull it up slow
3: get the dripping you can do a lot
1: with that so on the on the dripping is there is there a way that, um, like if you have a better camera and say you want to stop that drip in midair completely, you're going to have a faster shutter speed, right? Right. And then if you want kind of a liquid looking fluid drip, you're going to have a slower shutter speed. Now,
2: yes, but it's kind of, it's... I would say you're always going to want to go with a faster shutter speed. If you try to get to a too artsy thing and get, you know, a streaming drip off a fish, the whole thing's going to get
3: blurry in in general. Yeah.
2: Um, You know, you need to do a slow exposure like that and get a real drip. You need a tripod and everything to be super still, which generally is
3: kind of not
1: going to happen in what we're doing. And the fish has to behave super... Yeah, a, a, a lot, right? I mean, like if he yes. moves while you're doing that slow shutter speed, then the eyes out of focus, everything's out of focus. Everything, yeah, yeah. And so that,
2: I think that's fine if you have a fish that's blasting out of somebody's hands and you get a cool blurry, flashy shot. Yeah, but in general, I would say try to get a faster shutter speed.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, what about um, when you're do, when you're using that fast shutter speed? And this is going to uh, I'm going to use my rudimentary photography knowledge, but I know that as you're using a faster shutter speed, you need more light. Yes. Right, in order to make that good, so that that works very nicely for tarpon fishing in midday mm-hmm. when we're trying to stop the fish in midair, and usually that is in super high light and right in the middle of the day. Or it could, I mean, yes. it could be low light, but I mean, they certainly. Do that, but we often are catching them in the middle of the day and giving you the opportunity to use your fastest shutter speed that you want to to stop that immediately. But what about when you're trout fishing or you are tarpon fishing later in the in the afternoon and you're trying to get that magic light of the of the sunset or the sunrise? How does that affect your shutter speed?
2: Well, it's you know the darker it is, the slower your shutter speed is going to need to be. Um, all other things being equal you know you can crank up your iso you can get rid of the polarizer in your camera you can use the fastest lens and go with the you know the largest aperture anything you can do to get a shutter speed that's going to be fast enough to stop action but no matter what you do if you want to get a quality photo you know once it starts to get pretty dark you're going to have to make different choices on what photo you're going you're not you're not gonna get a sharp jumping tarpon photo when it's pretty dark it's just not gonna
1: happen now is that still um, if the sun's
3: not on the fish you know is
1: that partially uh gear intensive like if you have a better camera, yes. maybe you can stop it at lower light and if you're yeah, using I mean, if an you iPhone better, maybe not yes,
2: the better camera you have, the better lenses you have um, you'll be able to you know, shoot at two point eight, and a faster shutter will get, which will get you a faster shutter speed. You'll get to um, crank up the ISO if you have a better camera, and still be able to get a decent image out of it. But uh, you know, in general, the other thing you can do is use a wider lens if the fish is jumping closer to the
3: boat. Mm-hmm. If
2: you use a wider lens; it'll take in more light than say, if you had a you know. 400 millimeter and we were trying to get the fist jumping way away from the boat close.
1: So. Right. Okay, so as we're talking about better gear, you have a lot of people that are probably very interested in that, and and then other people that are thinking, well, maybe I can buy my way into better photography. How much um photography knowledge today with the automatic cameras, shooting on auto mode or whatever, can you buy your way to a better to a better photograph,
2: um, you can somewhat. I mean, you still have to be out there doing it and trying and failing and learning. Um, but, but you know, the newer DSLRs, if you do things right, you will get a better image. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the wrong. If you do things wrong, you're still going to get a crappy image, and it's not going to do you much good. spend thousands of dollars.
1: Right. So the better image is going to come through. Uh, say say we're standing right next to one another and we take almost exactly an identical shot. I'm using an iPhone. Mm-hmm. You're using a... Uh, how big are your cameras now? How many megapixels does that does one of your uh, cameras take? 35. Okay, so a 35-megapixel camera, which that's like a billboard camera, right? Like, you could and blow that.
3: Could, yeah, you could print anything
1: off. Okay, so you're using a 35-megapixel camera. I'm using a uh, an iPhone. You're going to get a better image off of your camera because of the resolution and other things, or mostly because of the resolution.
2: Um, it, it's the resolution, but it's also you know the technology that's gone into the resolution. It's not definitely, it's not specifically the amount of megapixels. It's the technology that goes into how they use those megapixels. Hmm and it's way beyond my knowledge but i definitely you know get a better image out of a camera out of my newer cameras than i do some of my older ones
1: using the Not same to say lens that i could
2: yeah using the same lens or in in better lenses make a difference too but technique and knowing what you're doing and preparing have led to me making better pictures more so than the cameras i would say you know, and I can still go back and get good images off my older cameras. But I think for me it's more what I can do with that image on the computer after.
3: Mm, okay. You know,
2: I can I can think I can work more with the images
3: that I get out of the newer higher megapixel cameras.
1: All right. Now, if somebody were to want to invest in a camera and they were willing to put a little bit of it, of time into learning about being a better photographer. What, I mean, I don't know if you necessarily need to go into brands or maybe, you know, maybe you have a go-to that you would say, this is the camera to start with. This is the rig to start with. But I mean, you know, for me, if, if, if someone were to give me, if you were to give me one of your old cameras with six lenses and 10 batteries and a, it's just too much. Like I won't know what to do with it. I mean, I can, I would do better with, just something a little simpler that I could quickly learn and use for a year or so. And if I really liked it, then move into a little bit better one. Do you have your go-to kind of thing that you, that you give to younger photographers or or people that are interested in starting?
2: Um, Well, actually one of my daughters is interested. So I, you know, for me, I just hand down older stuff for her or I let her use my good stuff. It
3: doesn't matter that much to me. And I think
2: All the DSLRs kind of haven't changed how they work in, you know,
3: 30, 40, 50 years, except they've got a little more automated,
2: but you can still use them fully manually or partially, you know, manually. So I think you can learn and move up that scale pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't don't claim to know a ton about um, the mirrorless stuff. I've just, i just—I don't think it would work as well for what I do, mm-hmm. but I think they are great options for some people. I don't know how the transition can work from them up to what I do, and I know that you know they have issues with batteries and stuff for the kind of stuff I do. But I think they're a good choice for some people, and they're smaller. And I think they're—they've up their choices on lenses for a while. They didn't have quite the options of lenses. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've been a Nikon person since I started. So I just kind of have a, a bunch of Nikon DSLRs and lenses that I work with. Um, and I know you were saying like six lenses. I really keep three lenses with me at all times is really all I do. Just a bunch of zoom lenses all the way from 16 millimeter up to four 400 millimeter, which mm-hmm. is super wide <clears throat> to, you know, super telephone, like binoculars would be. So. That covers me and I think even part of that would cover just about anybody.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So what
1: would be the what say say for for mostly um what we're talking about, flats fishing, um with the exception of trying to take pictures of tarpon way, way off in the distance, but just say mm-hmm. like, say flats fishing, trout fishing, and uh offshore fishing. You're in a you're in a, a boat. With the other people, what's the what's the go to, most used battle axe setup that you're using as far as lenses and in camera?
2: Okay, so I usually have two camera bodies and three lenses in my box. So I have one of those with either a 16 to 35 millimeter. That's a pretty wide angle zoom. Yep. And then it either has that or a 24 to 70 on it. And that can cover a lot. You know, if I'm right up in their faces, you go with that wide angle. If it's not a very big boat, too, it's nice to have that wide angle, super wide. Um, but the 24 to 70, you can stand back a little and get pretty close-up stuff and pretty wide. You know, if, you, if people get too close to you, it's not wide enough. So right. you can switch to the other ones. And then I have another camera that has my eighty to four hundred on it, which, if we're offshore, I can shoot details of the people on the boat, um, and I can turn and get jumping shots or birds or right. And that would be a little bit. Of
1: boat. That's a little bit more specialized. So, what's the third lens right. that's in, sitting in the box with those two on your cameras? What's the third lens that's sitting in the box?
2: Well, I have the sixteen to thirty five and the twenty four to seventy are kind of switching back and
1: forth. Okay. Between so the, the sixteen. Ones. That's borderline fisheye. I mean, a, a fisheye yeah, is like really, you get, you get twelve 14. or fourteen. Yeah, if
2: you get down to fourteen, it's getting pretty fisheye. The okay. sixteen is really wide, but it doesn't it doesn't distort very much. I can fix the distortion in Photoshop.
1: Okay, so the uh, what would you say? Like I always say that the you know, let's, let's go into fly rods. That's into your, that's into your world right there. Uh, a five weight is the most, most versatile freshwater rod. A 10 weights, the most versatile saltwater rod. You Mm -hmm. can do all kinds of things. It's not perfect for any, I mean, it's perfect for a couple of things, but it's, it's a little Mm -hmm. light for some things. It's a little heavy for others, but for the most part, if I were to own two fly rods, I'd own a five and a 10. If you're to own one lens and one camera body or just one lens for all of the situations, you know, that would replace those three. Now you're a professional photographer and you don't want to replace those three. You're operating (laughs) on the edges, but for somebody that just wants one camera that fits in their bag, what's the, what's the five weight of the camera lens?
2: Well, that's tricky for me. It would probably be, you know, the 24 to 70 or a 70 to 200, but because those are professional levels of lenses, Mm -hmm. but they also make, um, I think like an 18 to 200 zoom. Wow, you know, so you can buy this lens. It's a cheaper lens, and it's not going to give you quite the quality, and it's not going to be as super fast. But they've gotten really good um, for what it is. Mm -hmm. So if you were just starting, you could get that lens, and it would do a lot. You know, that's really wide and a pretty good telephoto all in one
3: lens. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, and then once if you figure out there's something you want to do, you break it up and get two more. You know higher quality
1: lenses that span the same for a little bit, okay. Now let's talk about um storage and media because when I have these different cameras and I look at them, I mean, even all the way down to a GoPro, it I, the menu is giving me options. and I'm like, well, do I just want to take everything at the highest resolution, or am I trying to conserve space? And for somebody that has never filled up a card, you don't really know, like, am I going to start taking pictures and then I'm um, out of card space? What What's your suggestion for the, for the default setting that you should be using for uh, resolution on the camera?
2: Well, uh, what I would say is cards have gotten really cheap, and you're not going to keep... You're going to shoot on that card, and then you're going to download it to your computer, and then you're going to use it again the next day mm-hmm. or the next week. So use what the camera has to offer use make the biggest file you can um and if it shoots raw shoot raw um
1: but now, now when tell you friends, tell, tell tell us what raw means and then there's raw. also a setting that says raw plus mp exactly. uh mp4 what mp what what is it uh, jpeg jpeg right i'm thinking video files yep. um, so that's what you've always told me to shoot like just shoot raw plus jpeg and then right. you're getting so, a copy of both files, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, what I
2: always tell my friends is shoot raw plus JPEG. And for 90% of what you're probably doing, maybe 98%, the JPEG, If you, and shoot, it'll give you different options all, usually, on what size JPEG. Shoot the biggest JPEG you can plus raw. The JPEG will work for most of what you do. And it'll, it kind of does a little self-editing in it, and it'll save a lot of the A lot of the data and be good for most of what you're doing Mm -hmm. for me i always shoot raw um and basically a raw file will take in all the information that is possible for the camera to take in and store it all okay so when i get back to my computer i have everything that the camera could possibly take in at that moment to work with that's going to be too much for most people to deal with and what you're going to get is a really flat gray looking image hmm. Now i have I'll, i have options out of that i can show you so what happens is you have a really flat gray looking image you take it into photoshop camera raw you adjust it you take it in photoshop adjust it again do all you know i might work an hour on one photo right. getting it to right where i want to be and it'll look completely different
1: um but a lot of people definitely do not want to do that
2: no, and they don't need to because the JPEG will look really good. Mm-hmm. You know? But the Rocket raw, raw photo will not look that good when it comes out of the camera because it's built to hold a lot of a lot of information that you're gonna discard or edit or whatever. Um, but you might need it. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Okay. That's great. Um so now we've got our camera set properly. We've got their battle axe lens on it, and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna take some pictures. <clears throat> and and some you know a lot of people are still just going to be perfectly fine with the iPhone and the iPhone is uh, is is doing a great job. A lot of the Android phones are getting better and better. The lenses are getting better. The megapixels, the resolution in these things are <clears throat> are better than what you had. Yeah, what absolutely. ten years ago? The yes. new iPhone probably has, is taking what ten megapixel, maybe uh, eight. I, think, I, I don't know. It's more than that. Maybe. I'm not real sure, but yeah, it's a, it's it's right a big at, it's image. It's a yeah. big image. And and a, a 10 megapixel camera ten years ago was like that was on a that was on a uh on a on a shoot right? Like that was a professional yeah. grade Absolutely. camera. Yeah. And now you're carrying around that in your pocket. So the the opportunity to just stay with an iPhone or an Android camera is is fine. And a lot of people yeah. will do that. And then there are countless hundreds of millions of apps to edit these things, including the apps that are on Instagram and that are on Facebook and that are on these other photo sharing type things. Let's talk about editing for a little bit, because um, I see that a lot of people go way overboard on the editing. Yeah. And I would like to know, in your opinion, what is it that you're, that you're trying to do with the edit, with the edit on a, on a already, Pretty damn good J- jPEG I mean, do, do you need to edit it, or do people just feel like they want to edit it, or yeah. they just they have these Instagram filters on the bottom, and oh, I think you're supposed to use these <laughs> what what is what is your opinion on on that not, a, not in professional photography, just a snapshot of somebody holding a fish that they want to send to their their friend or they want to post on Instagram or they want to do whatever how, how do they avoid over editing? and what are they looking for
2: well i mean for me a photo should always look realistic i mean unless you're doing trying to do something weird and artsy which is great i do that too but it should always look
3: realistic it should look
2: as good as it did or better than it did with good light you know pretty light out there with your sunglasses on Mm -hmm. polarized and water looks pretty colored just like it did or maybe better than you did, like you remember it. You know what I mean? A lot of times you can make it look better than it was, but still realistic. And you know, maybe it's you're getting it to where how it was, how you felt it was, or how you remember it as, which might be better than it actually looked. But mm-hmm. that's fine. You know? But people could you can definitely go too far. You can you can bust the colors out to where they're unrealistic, but a lot of times it can take work to get, you know, fish have some crazy colors, you know, you have seen them, they light up, they can change colors in an instant. They can make colors that the cameras can't even record. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily going too far to, you know, go back and try to get pop that stuff out and make it look like you remember it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, But I think people do go too far, and I've never really been a fan of the Instagram filters or really changing shades too much. I I might do that sometimes if I shoot something and the the lighting was horrible. You know, if it was really backlit and everything was kind of washed out, I might kind of bring up the yellow and make it look like a sunrise or sunset. But uh, other than that, I pretty much try to go
3: for realism.
1: Okay. All right. So less is more,
3: is your opinion? So, yeah. Right. That's, that's cool. I'll say
1: that
2: I don't do a lot when I do it, but I try to do it so it's unnoticeable.
1: Yeah. Now, we also have, so we've talked about the iPhone. We've talked about uh, stepping your equipment up to, um, you know, uh, professional grade cameras or, or prosumer type cameras. What about, um, I mean you're well, let you... me
2: step you back right there for a second okay? Too, because I think the iPhones have gotten really good and you know, a lot of your camera choice has to do with a money, but also a lot of portability and waterproofing and stuff like that. I mean, I was just in the Bahamas two weeks ago and this was a, a me trip. I wasn't shooting other people much, you know, mm-hmm. so I'd be out there waiting for bonefish, and I'm, you know, I'm not really going to take pictures. I'm going fishing. So, but in my bag, I had a GoPro and I had my iPhone. So I didn't feel like carrying a backpack. And even if I had it, a lot of times I was by myself. So yeah. what do I do? But I mean, I got great photos with my iPhone, and there was just one on one of my iPhone photos on Yeti this morning. You know, of a hmm. tailing mutton snapper and. When I look at it, I had to go back in and look at the data. So I was like, I think I shot that with my phone. But it looked so good, it could have been with the real camera. So wow. I think there's a lot you can do with your phone or with the GoPro, you know, super well, that, portable stuff.
1: That's what I was going to ask next and is the about the GoPro and, uh, and, and kind of ideas on how you can um, take better pictures with the GoPro. Because when, when I try to do that, I tend to stay too far away. The GoPro has an incredibly wide lens.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Incredible! I don't know how many millimeters or whatever, but you can basically get right up on something and get a good picture of it where typically, I mean, a GoPro is not, you know, just your phone where I'm standing eight to 10 feet away from you and I can take a pretty nice picture of you. Seems like the GoPro, I need to get much closer to get that same type of picture and then it then it looks different but what what do you think about that how how close how do you how do you uh change the way that you're taking a picture with a GoPro versus just a phone or your 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 other cameras
2: um well for me the GoPro has kind of specific uses um I don't really ever use the GoPro um by hitting the shutter I always I always have mindset but just I hit one button and it starts taking two shots per second. So it's it's a little different what I do with it because I I'm usually using it for underwater. Uh-huh. So I'll usually just start it going as taking pictures and then I'll either have it on a stick or just in my hand and kind of move it real slow, kind of hold it in one place for a while, let it take two or three shots, move it. But you're right, it is a it's a super wide angle. I mean it's right on the edge of fisheye. So if you get it too close, it will distort, but that's okay too. But uh, you do have to get it close if you want to fill up the frame. Now,
1: now was... the GoPros that you're using, do they have the, are you able to compose the shot with the with a screen on the back? Or I know older GoPros, you weren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. And some of the ones that I'm still using and we're still using for the show don't have the screen on the back. Um, wh- what about, would you suggest that that's a, that's a big uh, feature that you should have if you're going to use uh, that as your yes. portable camera
2: yes i would say so if you're using that as your portable camera definitely get i'm not sure which i think most of them now have it on the back um and use it you know i don't just because i'm using it underwater you know for a different purpose usually mm-hmm. um and i have a pretty good judgment of being able to get stuff centered and the fish in there but uh yeah use the back and You know, you just use it like a regular camera and set it so you can use the
1: trigger. Yeah. So, one of the most annoying things about um, going fishing with you is you've always got your selfie stick and you're trying (laughs) to take selfies uh, (laughs) with your GoPro and your phone. So, how much, how much, uh, when is too much selfie stick too much? Well, I'm just kidding. He doesn't (laughs) really use his selfie stick.
2: Mine is six to 12 feet long for chasing fish underwater so it's a little it's not real good for taking selfies but uh, i've also used it on a 20-foot push pole too so uh
1: and that's that's a cool thing to do too with if you have a gopro and a phone you know you could be taking um some underwater shots with the gopro you could be taking some you could put it on the end of the push pole you could do all kinds of different things mm-hmm. and by the end of the day if you've taken a few fu- few shots with your phone uh and a few taking a few minutes to get a different angle with the GoPro i mean you can have the day covered pretty well without too much effort right
2: and with crazy angles that nobody's gets very often so, right yeah you can definitely do a lot with that combo
1: you know yeah so do you think that um your standard angler would benefit taking uh a pole for the GoPro or and if so, how long is too long, and and when it becomes a, a pain for everybody in the boat? <laughs> um, and how short Jeez. is not even worth having? You'd have to ask the people I walk <laughs> onto the boat with. with, this, with this well, pole. I mean, your you know, your your deal's different. I mean, you're you're a professional photographer, and you're you're also operating offshore. Uh, Between and, and and the closest that the boats are getting is is 15 to 20 feet apart. You've got a twelve foot painter's pole with a GoPro on the end, and you're getting a release shot uh often when somebody's holding a fish on a on another boat. I mean, I get what you're doing, but not yeah, everybody not. wants to carry a twelve foot painter's pole so w- my question though is like is like what's a what's a good length for an extendable pole and what is a length that like I've seen they 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 sell them in the store and they're like literally like six inches long and it's What's the point? That's, like, that's yeah, that's not gonna
2: do much for you. Um, I have ones that I travel with that it's like a two to four foot extension or a three to six foot extension, which will fit in my luggage. And then I put the GoPro on that, and that'll get you, you know, if you have a six foot pole, you can chase fish around pretty well with that, or you can hold it up super high and get, you know, kind of almost aerial looking photos. And uh, that was kind of a pre the cheap drone, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that, that works pretty well for me. And I, and I, I'm sure you can get ones that are specifically made for GoPros or little monopods, but I stick mine down in the salt water all the time. So I just get, I go to Lowe's or Home Depot and get a painter's pull, like you were saying, and, uh, mount mine on there and that costs 20 bucks. Yeah. So when it, when it gets rusty, cause it's going to, cause it's in salt water, you throw it out.
3: Okay.
1: So already, I think that we have, have really gone a long way into helping somebody to take better pictures from first, figuring out where the sun is. Secondly, having a plan on what you're going to do. Third, maybe improving your gear. Fourth, uh, learning how to to use you know a single camera in multiple different scenarios. Five, uh, being able to use your iPhone and, and Android a little bit better six, editing, seven, using specialty cameras like the GoPro. So I don't know that, I mean, that's a lot of information to take in for, for one day. But what I want to ask you is I want to ask you what your favorite um, fish to photograph is and why.
3: Um, favorite fish to catch, chase, photograph, the tarpon. Um, there's not
2: really another fish I think that does as much as they do and the fact that they enter our world voluntarily you know rolling jumping you know they get to where you can see them yeah you know and fishing wise they're my favorite too so that definitely plays a part in it but just to be able to go down to the keys and shoot rolling fish go to the marinas and shoot you know the marina pets and underwater on top of water. Um, And then, kind of, the pinnacle is to go out and you know fly fish and get them jumping. You know, a jumping tarpon is amazing, and it's it's one of the harder things to shoot for sure. The, the reward when you get them, and you can see, you know, it looks like their necks broken, and there's water spraying, and every scale lights up, and you know changes colors, whatever's around it. And by far, they're my favorite.
1: Okay, and then we often have this conversation when we're trying to plan the day and we're trying to plan a shoot tell me your favorite time of the day to shoot and why
2: uh sunrise i mean it's nice when there's enough light to that nothing's affected later in the day you know you don't have to think about it you have enough light but i i always like fishing at sunrise shooting at sunrise You're not losing light. You're always gaining light. So I think the light's prettier for longer than it is in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, you get more. Where at the end of the day, it goes away.
3: Yeah,
2: and you're always you're always going. Oh, if we you know if we hook something now, I'm going to lose light before we get it to the boat. So it's kind of always the promise of the new
1: day. Always is better for me. Man, me too. Plus, you get to drink coffee, and I like drinking coffee. Um, So also, what do you what do you think the most challenging uh assignment or the most challenging shoot that you've had in in fishing or or anything else what's what's the most challenging it could be gear related weather related or yeah, just think, fishing related I think you know the into the blue shoots
2: offshore stuff um is always a challenge you know the the fish are a challenge to shoot it's uh I think it's harder to catch a jumping sailfish than it is a jumping tarpon, and that might just be me because I know the inshore fish better. Mm-hmm. I know I know how to anticipate things better than I do. Um, but I think just the way offshore boats move when you're trying to fish and trying not to throw up and trying to you know, <laughs> try to stay on your feet and not get beat up and not get wet, you know. So really, anything offshore is probably the most challenging.
1: So how do you manage to look through the viewfinder most of the day and not get seasick? Because I know that I've seen some pretty uh, well-known photographers go down. And I have also looked through either binoculars or a camera lens for a while, and I don't get seasick. But all of a sudden you start feeling, "Woo, ah, that's tough. I mean, that will send you down. That I, I don't suggest that on an offshore boat, and I don't suggest ever going below deck to go to the bathroom the or whatever. That is... Uh, the recipe for getting really sick really fast. So, how do you do? You have any tips on not getting seasick when you're looking through uh, a camera lens?
2: Well, I myself, I have to take Dramamine. Um, so I take that every. You told me before. Take it the night before. Take it the night before, and then in the morning. Yeah. Um, if there's any chance you might be susceptible to getting seasick. I'm kind of on and off, you know, if it's not bad, I don't need to take it. But if it's really bad, which we still go out generally, um, (laughs) I tell you, we always go. out. I, you know, I'll take, I'll take the pills and it helps, but it, it doesn't always do it, you know? So when you're out there, you know, don't stare through a, you know, telephoto lens for too long, definitely be completely prepared to have everything you need on you. Because if you go down and look in your bag, it's not going to go well. Yeah. If, you, if you're in your camera box for more than a second or two, that's when you can it hits the switch on.
3: Huh. Yeah.
1: And uh, that's what uh, most captains will tell you. You know, if you start struggling with seasickness or, or feeling like that, just stare at the horizon. And yeah. staring at the horizon, you know, is is good. Looking in the camera box is bad. Going below yeah. decks is worse. Uh, but I also think that just staying busy, like, yes, like you're, absolutely. you're kind of, you're, you've keep, you're keeping your mind active and, uh, mm-hmm. and you're, 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 you're not thinking about becoming seasick. I think when people sit there and go, I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm feeling yes. seasick, then that's absolutely. when, that's when it's absolutely happening. So if you keep your mind active, you know, you're rigging, you're helping people do other things, seems to help, mm-hmm. uh, not, not get seasick, but.
3: Yeah, I don't Um,
2: think I've ever felt sick, too sick, on good fishing days. Yeah. You know, it's always the day, you know, and I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking, even if it's super rough, if the fishing's good and there's stuff to shoot and things are happening, you're like you said, your mind's engaged and you're doing stuff. Yeah. And the fishing's slow and you're anchored up and nothing's happening. And you start to think about it that's
3: what it goes about. Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about that Dramamine too cuz for me, I don't really get seasick, but it I think I think becoming seasick for a lot of people, me included, is mostly in your head. Mm-hmm. I think if you start thinking about it and you start Absolutely. thinking, I think I'm getting seasick, you are getting seasick. So, I'm in a situation to where uh I'm not able to take Dramamine because it has an effect on me that renders me unconscious all day. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, like if yeah. I, if I needed to take, I don't know, if I needed to be unconscious for something, a long plane trip, a dental, dental emergency, I could Dramalines just take a Dramamine and, and I would be completely unconscious. And, and that stuff has such an effect on me that I just simply can't take it and fish or work or produce the shows or do anything. I mean yeah. I am completely unconscious. And so uh somebody told me before like when when we first started into the blue and I you know I certainly didn't have the experience offshore in the type of weather conditions that we were going <laughs> everyone else is canceling and we're saying yeah. no we got to go. I mean we need shows. So I mean it's blowing 35 miles an hour and we're going offshore. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, ooh, I better take something. Um, and somebody along the way told me about um, you know, if you're if if it really knocks you out, you should take one the night before and then maybe take a half that morning. No. Um, because, you know, drama means like twelve hours. So if you uh if you take it at bedtime, say you go to bed at eleven and you wake up at six, well, you've got it, it has fully taken effect. So when you step on the boat, it's already in your bloodstream and you you're coming off a rest. so it doesn't make you you're a little groggy, but it doesn't just knock you out immediately unconscious. and it's already in your in your bloodstream. so you get offshore where it's really rough and when you're just kind of getting your your bearings, it's already in you and you don't get seasick right away. That has been a very good tip. And yeah. then I find that if, you know, you feel like that's not enough, then maybe you can take another half on the boat or another full on the boat, um, where I see a lot of people that have the same issue that, with it that I do. They take it first thing in the morning and by 10 o'clock, they're unconscious and, yeah. and they just don't enjoy the day. So for your kids or for whatever, uh, even for yourself, might try taking it the night before and not taking it on the day of fishing, and maybe that's enough, and and you don't get knocked out completely. Yeah.
2: And I, I also think too, if it if you take too much, and it, I mean it does it, it makes me kind of a little foggy. And, and it knock me out, but it makes me kind of foggy and slower on my feet. And I think that has hurt me before too, when I was I wasn't feeling my best, and I think I had taken too much, and I didn't. I was a little foggy, so it kinda I wasn't at my best and I wasn't controlling my body as much as I needed to be. You know, when, Therefore, officer, you're, when you're getting beat up. Your pictures your, your are getting thrown around, it affects you more.
1: And and that affects your pictures because yeah. the sailfish is already back in the water and you're just taking pictures of holes in the water?
3: Yes, Damn. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I would think that I would think that a, a, a dolphin or a wahoo, mm-hmm. you know, like a jumping fish, a kingfish, uh a wah, a kingfish, I think, could be difficult because well, they, they, don't, they they don't jump at
2: any. They jump when they eat. You yeah, know, they might jump after, but they don't. It's I mean, completely sometimes unpredictable. they
1: get they get twenty feet in the air, but they're unpredictable. Where I find that a tarpon and a sailfish, uh, a lot of times, are doing this this jumping uh, late in the fight, right at the boat, mm-hmm. and yeah. the sailfish. Some of the best shots you've ever taken of the sailfish. Uh, appear as though you just stop this fish in, in, in mid jump. But what's really happening is they're kind of in a tail walk and they're just kind of staying on the surface, half their body out of the water, half their body in the water. And they just keep doing this for six, eight, 10 feet along. And the trick is, is maintaining that focus as you're, as the fish is moving either closer to you or further away, uh, which can be very challenging. That's often where I, end up with a, a photograph that I'm disappointed in because I'm thinking, how could I miss, you know? But then you yeah. zoom it in a little bit and you look at the fish's face or his eye mm-hmm. and it's out of focus and, and you know, you just weren't able to maintain that. The cameras now, there's some cameras that uh, can help you with that to, yeah, to maintain. Tra- tracking
2: and focus tracking and stuff.
1: Right, And that's often that the helps. best pictures I've ever taken of the Tarpon 2 are not, you know, eat and jump. That's when they're going to jump the fastest. It's later in the fight when mm-hmm. you're just about to grab the fish. Maybe you've already even put your hands on it once, and then it's st- it's it's six feet from the boat, and it does two or three leaps right by the boat. And yes. and they're slower, and they're more predictable, and you see the fish rising up in the water, and then all of a sudden it just you know goes, and it may be even doing a little bit of a tail walk, or you might see it hit two or three jumps right at the l- l- late stages of the fight. Which are slower jumps and offer the photographer a better chance of of getting it if you know what you're looking for. You know if you're if you're
2: prepared. And and the bigger factor there is the closer the fish jumps to the boat, the wider of an angle you can use in your lens, and more that will be in focus. Yeah. So so if you're zoomed way out on a fish that's you know, 100 200 feet from the boat, your your uh, depth of field is tiny. So you have to be dead on with your focus where if it's closer to the boat angle of the lens is wider more stuff is in focus so Hmm, cool and a a wider angle lens doesn't need as much light
1: okay all right well that's uh those are all good tips man and um i think we've pretty much gone down um this whole list of things that i wanted to ask you uh but mostly Mostly, I think the first few minutes of this conversation were probably some of the best tips that we that we had: uh, the way that you hold the fish, the way that you're positioning yourself uh, with the light, paying attention to the background, um, and uh, and just being generally uh, mindful of of the composition of the shot, mm-hmm. I think is uh, is going to help a lot of people take a take a better picture. So if you guys are out there taking better pictures, and this podcast has helped you why don't you tag us on Instagram? You can tag Jason Stemple. What's your handle on on Instagram? At Jason Stemple photo. So at Jason Stemple photo, tag your best photo and uh, let Jason take a look at it. Maybe he can uh, get back to you with some some ways that it could be improved or maybe he just says, man, super jealous. That is the best shot I've ever seen. Uh, But either way, tag us on Instagram. Tag me. You can tag uh, Tom underscore Roland or Saltwater Experience and also Jason Stemple Photo. Follow him, and you can, um, if you're an aspiring photographer, I would strongly recommend that you follow Jason because he is put putting some, some of his best work is, is right there on Instagram for you to look at, and you can look at the composition. You can look at the way that he does the light. You can really start to reverse engineer uh, his photos to make your own photos better. Maybe you don't want to be a professional photographer. Maybe you have no desire to be a professional photographer, but, Everybody likes to take a good picture. And uh, Jason's been kind enough to offer, what, how long have you been a professional photographer, Jason? Oh, let's just say 20. Okay. Let's say 20 years because neither one of us want to feel very old. But Jason's been at it for a long time. He's made the transition from uh, regular uh, film photography and darkroom uh, type work to digital photography and uh, editing on the computer. And he's really picked up a lot of stuff, and he, in my opinion, he's one of the best photographers out there. And so follow him on Instagram, and you can kind of reverse engineer those photos and and compare some of your best work to some of his best work. And and uh, he's an open book, man. If you uh, reach out to him, tell him tell him Absolutely. you like his work, and and maybe he'll he'll help you out uh, with some of the questions that you might have on on general photography. But anyway, thanks so much, Jason, and uh, we will do it again. Uh, if you guys like this podcast, please go and rate and review it on iTunes. And again, tag us on Instagram or wherever your social media exploits take you. And until next week, we'll uh, we'll see you. Thanks a lot. See you, Jason. Absolutely. Have a good one. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you got something out of that. Got just a little bit of news. We have started a weekly show that is designed to be up-to-the-minute videos of what's happening this week, mostly in the Florida Keys, but also in other places that we fish as well. We'll be putting that out every week, and the best way to find that is to subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube slash Saltwater Experience. Search Saltwater Experience on YouTube, subscribe to that channel, and you will get updates of when a new video is published. I've also figured out how to put the podcast on YouTube, finally. A lot of people like to put that window behind other things they're working on and listen to the podcast while they are working. So we now have that for you. And there is a playlist called podcast. There's a playlist called weekly show. You can go and see all the new videos that we're putting up there. Started a new email address specifically for this show. And that is podcast at saltwaterexperience.com podcast at dot com. those emails come directly to me i'll see every single one of them so if you have comments suggestions ways we can make the show better and particularly if you have suggestions of someone you would like to see me sit down with in the hunting world in the fishing world in the outdoor sports world or just a motivational inspirational character or someone that can teach us all something i'm very interested in your suggestions so that's podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. you can get the podcast on itunes stitcher spotify soundcloud and we're also publishing it on the blog The weekly show will be published on the blog, too, but the best way is to go to YouTube, subscribe there, and you'll get it immediately when it's published. So until next week, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.